Welcome to Spielin' and Dealin', the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of SandySpiel.com. Today it is the GHSA Boys Sweet 16 Preview Podcast. We will touch on the results of the first round. We will look at the second round matchups and dive right into it. 106 out of 128 games correctly predicted not my best work a shade under 83 percent there were a good handful of upsets but that is why they call it the february frenzy games are not played on paper they are played on the court crazy stuff can happen so let's dive right into it class 7a we saw marietta 54 50 winners over tift county and now they play milton 68 48 over meadow creek Milton should win this game very handily. Marietta, a very successful season on getting to the Sweet 16 with 10 wins on the year. But Milton, way too powerful. Not much of a chance in this one unless they somehow are able to play stall ball and hold the ball. But Marietta, just not enough in the tank. Milton should put this game to bed quite early. Up next, we have Collins Hill, a 70-58 winner over North Forsyth against Pebblebrook, 86-82. Parkview gave them a little bit of a game in the second half. They cut into it and made it interesting. Uh, but Pebblebrook got the job done, and I think they're going to get the job done again against Collins Hill. Just way too many weapons to choose from. Collins Hill is going to press the entire game. and That's just tough when your identity is to press and have a lot of possessions if the other team is just better and you're giving that other team many more possessions it's just unfortunately uh, you would have to assume the team that is more individually skilled the more opportunities you give them to score the ball more likely they will score the ball more often than you do even though you are also getting more possessions but it's just a, a a tough a tough style I don't think they're going to be able to crack uh Pebblebrook with their press and if this gets into a high-scoring transition up-and-down game, uh, I mean, Pebblebrook already scored 86 points in the first round. Um, they might be back in the 80s again or even higher against Collins Hill. I just don't think Ethan Davis is going to have enough help around him. So Pebblebrook uh, should uh, wear down Collins Hill as this game moves on. Bottom left-hand side, Hillgrove 46-34 beat Camden County. Now they see... Berkmar, who beat Etowah 61-39. Berkmar will have Malik, Malik Ewing back in action, the Ole Miss commit or signee, 6'10". Hillgrove is just not going to have enough, enough in the tank to win this game. Jeremiah Wilkinson, a good guard, will have to play lights out, but there's just too much. Jamil Rideout, uh, Bo Hearns, Jamari Hill, uh, just way too much on this roster for Barkmar. Uh, Hillgrove could potentially compete for a while if they can try and make this maybe a low-scoring game or such, but um, Hillgrove hasn't beaten a ton of great teams all season long, and Barkmar is a, a true state title contender, and I think Barkmar um, will be able to win this game. I know Hillgrove will have a very good game plan, but Barkmar just way too strong up and down the line. I like Barkmar to win this one. Next up, uh, the one game I got wrong, I was 15 out of 16 in this classification. Mountain View beat Denmark, it looks like in overtime, 57 to 50. 
six, 57-56. Now they play Grayson at 84-44, winner over Campbell. Grayson, uh, uh, too big. Mountain View doesn't have a ton of size. Uh, I think Chauncey Wiggins and company, Amir Taylor, have a field day inside. And I think that, that guard play of Jakari Harris, Tyrese Elliott, I think they'll be able to get into the rim and really take care of business in this one. So I do like Grayson to advance. Top right-hand corner, Newton won 62-57 against McEachern. A, a very tough first-round task. And now they see West Forsyth, who beat Mill Creek 68-61. Uh, a nightmare matchup for West Forsyth, who does have some size, um, but as far as the overall athleticism, I know Grant Moore and Will Moore are tremendous athletes that can jump with the best of them, but the quickness and the length and just uh, every single position, Newton's going to make it tough. If they have Daniel Pounds or Myok Grant banging on Jake Mooney, that's going to make it very difficult for Mooney to get going unless he gets hot from the three-point line. Um Newton with uh, Ja'Kai Newton, if they're fully healthy now. Stefan Castle, it's just so many options they can choose from. Uh, West Forsyth that they can, I mean, obviously slow it down somehow and try to limit possessions and hope Newton is uh, taking a lot of outside shots and you're collecting the glass and not letting them get second chance opportunities. But I just think there's just way too much going in Newton's favor. Uh, I think West Versailles in trouble in this one. I like Newton to win this one and win this one uh, in impressive fashion. Next up, Archer, who beat Rosal 62-52. They see Walton, a 60-29 winner over Colquitt County. Um, Walton has been a, a solid team this year. They really turned the corner midway through the season, um, but I don't think they're going to be able to handle the size and the pressure of the guard play of Archer, the full-court man, trapping defense, uh, really just playing physical with you with Christian Drummer and Damani Harrison. All these guys are just so tough. Again, Luke Flynn, uh, if he can catch fire and hit six, seven threes, um, they might be able to stick around. And I know they're going to be very well coached with Coach Abney there, does a very good job. But Archer just, you know, Coach LeCurve does a, a, a very great job as well. And he's got the animals, he's got the horses, he's got some thoroughbreds um, that will play hard, play physical, and play mean. And I just think they're going to be too strong physically. And also, of course, uh, they are very skilled. I think they are just going to wear on Walton and put this game away. Bottom right-hand side, we saw East Coweta beat South Gwinnett 56-49 in one of those classic Region 2 versus Region 4 matchups, um, which ended up being Region 2 putting through just, let's see, it was a, a two-for-two split, so the two regions did split, uh, but East Coweta represents Region 2 with that win, and now they see North Gwinnett, who beat South Forsyth 52-24. I think North Gwinnett's defense is very, very good. East Coweta, I worry about what they'll be able to do against a very good defensive team. Are they going to be able to draw up enough plays to get open looks for their star players? Uh, they have great firepower, as I've said all season long. They can score with the best of them individually, but I worry when they have to see R.J. Godfrey cleaning up misses inside and Dylan Gary is such a tremendous X factor and uh, Thomas Allard knocking down threes and if Duke Clayton is still out there banging down low. North Gwinnett has a lot of pieces. They played a lot of teams they have not lost in a very long time. I think North Gwinnett is just going to be a, uh, 
a more polished team uh, in crunch time, and I think they'll be able to survive. But East Coweta has played some of the best teams in the state, and they've beaten some of the best teams. But I think North Gwinnett at home with that student section, which has been um, – you know, fantastic over the past couple of years in the state playoffs. I think that lifts the Bulldogs past East Coweta into the Elite Eight. And lastly, Norcross beat Cherokee 73 to 46, and Lowndes beat North Paulding 67-39. Um Norcross should win this game, but as uh you have seen in the past, Norcross can struggle against teams from South Georgia that they're favored to beat in important games. Um, we could call up Tift County. They could tell you about that. But Norcross should win this game. Um, but Lowndes does have some size. I got a six-five guard. J.C. Riley's about six-eight inside. Block shots and rebounds. Um, Lowndes beat North Polding sixty-seven thirty-nine. If I forgot to mention that already, but um, Norcross should be able to win this game. I think London Johnson's just going to be uh, too much of a class act to slow down. And then Jerry Dang does provide that size and that three-point shooting. Samarian Bond is a guy that can just blow up screens and play really good defense all over the place. So it's going to be tough going down there. Um, and South Georgia, um, their motto usually is to out-tough you. And we have seen some Gwinnett County schools uh, be out-toughed before in the state playoffs like a Norcross team, but I think Norcross should be okay in this one. Could be pretty close, um, possibly if Lowndes plays really well, but I think Norcross wins this one, and I hope for Norcross's sake they win this one. Now in Class 6A, the ever-competitive Class 6A, difficult 12 out of 16 games predicted correctly. Struggled with this one. But not much of a surprise as far as that goes because a lot of very evenly matched teams. Top left-hand side, Evans, a 64-56 winner over Houston County. They now see Carrollton. A game I got wrong. I had Centennial going to the Elite Eight. Carrollton gets it done, 48-45. Don Bray making things happen, going out with a bang if he's going out at all. Making things happen. A big win there. So Evans versus Carrollton, I don't see why the good time should end here. Um, Carrollton's rolling. They're coming off back-to-back really good wins. Alexander, Centennial, Evans coming from an okay region. Not the best, but not, not necessarily a bad region. Um, Brazen James and Devin Story are very, very tough. But Carrollton, as I mentioned in that first podcast, um, they have like six, seven guys that could get you 10 to 12 points and it's just you never know whose turn it's going to be to score the ball and I think that is going to play a key factor in this one Evans you're kind of more geared towards the two players I mentioned um, just now Uh, but I think um, Carrollton with a a little bit more maybe not as explosive as those two guys which is so many options and they shoot the ball fairly well I think Carrollton at home gets the job done and moves on to the elite eight Next up, Buford, a 60-49 winner over Pope. They will be playing Statesboro, who defeated North Atlanta 58-44. Buford was my pick heading into this matchup. I'm going to stick with Buford. They got a good win over a great Pope team, very well coached by Coach Pat Abney. Always difficult to beat them. So they're coming off a good win. Statesboro pulled away in the end against North Atlanta. Now, it's going to be tough heading to Statesboro um, over there at Lee Hill Gymnasium. It's uh, 
gonna be tough, but Buford, I, I, you know, this could be very close. I think this should be a very close game. State Trail is gonna be very physical inside. The matchup uh, between London Williams and Leslie Black is going to be a good one uh, inside between two junior uh, post presences. Both about 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and like to bang down low. I have my eye on that one. But Alon Sumler, if he can get some clean looks, I know he's a very efficient scorer. Does it at multiple levels. I think he plays a very, very big role in this one. I think Jalen Taylor, just his jack-of-all-trades at 6'7", um, I think he could potentially also be another big X factor here as one of the best players on Buford's team. He has to play like it. And for that reason, I think he does. And I think Buford advances. Next up, we have Rockdale, who defeated Lee County 64-54 in overtime. Um, Mikai Witter having a strong game. Uh, they now see Sequoia, who beat Paulden County 135-112. to That's a lot of points in regulation. No defense um, for somebody. I, 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 don't, I don't know what to say. That has to be a GHSA record or very close to it. Someone call up Joby Boydstone. He must be very pleased with this score. Um, but something I was not pleased with, uh, unbecoming actions of a head coach after a loss in this game. Uh, very, very disappointing. Very sad. Not good at all. Um, but they are eliminated in Paulding County, sent back home. Uh, but Sequoia... 135 points. They can really score the ball. Uh, I think they'll see uh, somewhat of defense in this upcoming game against Rockdale County, and I really think Sequoia is the favorite in this one. I think they're a, they've been a better team all season long than Rockdale. Not saying that Rockdale cannot knock them off, but Sequoia at the War Lodge, tough place to play. Well-coached team, shoot the ball very well. Kyle Keener has really risen his level of play to another level this senior season. I like Sequoia in this one. I don't like them to score 135 points, but I do like them to win and advance on to the Elite Eight. Next, Kell, 81-66 winner over Habersham Central. Habersham Central job now open. Uh, Kell, a big win there. They now see Tucker, 78-55 winner over Bradwell Institute. That is going to be a fun game between Kell and Tucker. Josiah Lawson, a very good score, a very good post presence, a forward, a combo forward for this uh, Tucker team. Uh, I, I got that you're going to hear more and more about as a, I guess he's just a sophomore at about six foot six, but Josiah Lawson, very tough. Raylan Barrion's been there forever. Uh, but Kell, again, with the Peyton Marshall inside, a, close to seven foot, close to almost 300 pounds probably. He takes up a lot of space. He's had a really good season scoring the ball. Uh, Dylan Cambridge, you know, list off all the great athletes and, 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 and solid guards. Um, I like Kell to win this game. It's going to be tough going down there to DeKalb County against Tucker. Um, but I just think, again, having that size inside that can make it a little bit more difficult for Lawson and company to score around the rim. Um, even Dominic Cooks, I believe he's still over there at Tucker. He has some size, but he's going to make it difficult. And I look for Aaron Smith to have a very, very big game here. Um, maybe not necessarily scoring 20 points, but rebounding and providing good defense and scoring when needed. So I do like Kell to advance to the Elite Eight. Top right-hand side, we have Westlake 
62-60 over Glen Academy. Not um, not what you want to see from a Westlake team that uh, is pretty much loaded, hit the transfer market, have a lot of talent. Um, I would like to see them play a little better than a two-point game over Glen Academy. Give Glen Academy a lot of credit for making it that close. But Westlake, um, they need to play much better if they want a chance to even stick around with Wheeler, who, as we said, in the preview podcast, they're going to score a lot of points in this game. Don't be surprised if they're in the 80s. Wheeler, 88. Winder Barrel, 59. We nailed that one on the head. Um, I like Wheeler in this game, especially if Westlake uh, plays how they did in that first round. They're going to have to play much better. Gaddis Heath, I mean, they have all the talent over there. Mitchell Taylor, Jalil McKee. They have all the guys, but Wheeler has a big, big size inside. Arrington Page, again, has been coming on very, very strong. Isaiah Collier, they're just going to be too much. Westlake, they have a chance, but Wheeler has played really good teams early on in the state playoffs before and have handled their business. So I think Wheeler does so again. Next, Alexander, 65-57 winner over Chattahoochee. Grovetown, 93-37 over Northside. Alexander will have Zion Fruster back, the region player of the year. That will help greatly. I think they are going to have to play very well. This is probably one of the most interesting or most entertaining matchups, and there's a lot of them, but one of the more entertaining, more more intriguing matchups, I guess you could say, if we're talking about teams that aren't the the uh, perennial juggernauts like a Westlake and Wheeler and this and that, but two teams that maybe fly under the radar, um, but both have length and athleticism and some shooters. Um, good game here. It's going to be over there in the CSRA. That's going to be a tough, tough travel. I'm interested to see what Jason Slate does with the X and O's, but I'm going to stick with my original pick of Grovetown, protecting home court and getting past Alexander. But this is a game for Sean Ivory, Noah Melson, all these guys, Braden Liu. They have all the size in the world. They have all the talent in the world. Joffrey Nunley at the guard position. This is a very good Alexander team. They're deep. Both teams are somewhat mirror images of each other with their depth and their length and all that talent. Um, But I think Grovetown wins this game and makes it to the Elite Eight. Next up on the bottom right-hand side, Langston Hughes knocks off Effingham County, 51-44. Disappointing end to the season for Effingham County. They're always stuck on finishing about 18-8. and I feel like that was their, maybe their exact same record last year. Uh, I guess they're 18-9 and now, but Langston Hughes gets the win. And the game we said on paper uh, would be a, a very good one. I predicted Shiloh to win, but no, it was Osborne, the fourth seed, 51-50, knocks off Shiloh. I think it was a Kai Fleming hit a, uh, the game winner, if I saw that headline correctly. A very good young freshman that can shoot the ball well. Big win to get back on track for Osborne. Um, Osborne probably more talented or more talent on the roster than Shiloh. Uh, Shiloh exceptionally well coached, but Osborne, they found a way to win. And saying that they have all this talent, they have the most talent in this bottom right-hand quadrant. If they go on a run, they were, what, 17-0 or something like that to start the season and were ranked in the top three. It's not crazy for Osborne to get everything figured out and make it to the Final Four. And on paper, they're probably a favorite to do so. Now we'll see what happens um, going up against Langston Hughes. I'm going to go with Osborne. I, I, I think they, um, like for all the reasons I just mentioned, but I know Rory Welsh 
always an incredibly tough out this time of year. His teams always peak in February. Langston Hughes is always very, very scary. And I think he might be able to draw up some um, some, some um, strategic uh, offense and defensive things to really slow down Osborne and try and take away looks for Zocco and, and uh, Chris Carroll. Um, but I'm going to go with Osborne. They've been a better team throughout the year, but when X and O's come to play, uh, I think Rory Welsh is one of the best in the state of Georgia, um, but I'm going to go with Osborne here. Next up, River Ridge beat Rome 55-44, and now they see Daryl Lockhart, two-time state championship winning coach at Upson Lee, leading Valdosta 58-50 winner over Heritage Conyers. They're going all the way down to Titletown and Valdosta. River Ridge, they have the size inside, Jared Russo. Braden Pierce, I worry if Valdosta has, um, you know, enough to compete with that, but I know they're going to have some athletes. They're going to have some strength. Again, South Georgia basketball um, sometimes isn't as as skilled as some of the, the, the North Georgia schools in the metro Atlanta area, but it comes down to toughness, and it doesn't matter, and they play with a chip on their shoulder, and it is going to be a very physical game. And again, Coach Lockhart, another great coach in this quadrant down here. He gets the most out of his kids. I'm going with River Ridge to win this one, but Valdosta, I think they could uh, apply some pressure, home court advantage, long bus ride. They're going to be a very tough-nosed team. Um, could be a really close one. I would be surprised if this game was double digits either way. I think it's a single-digit game. I'm going to go with River Ridge, but I do think Valdosta surely does have a really good chance at pulling off an upset. Things got a little better in Class 5A, 14 of 16 on these predictions. On the top left-hand side, Jonesboro handled Wayne County 80-60. to St. Pius beat Blessed Trinity in what was a very close game throughout. They pulled away late, 65-53. Now it's a rematch of that 51-41 win for St. Pius. Both teams are much better now. That was a um, really kind of was an ugly game to watch. The scoring was very hard to come by. Jonesboro with those new pieces trying to figure out their role in the offense. Cayman Brown has really uh, found his niche now. Uh, Spencer Elliott for St. Pius dominated that game, flirting with the triple-double, um, blocking uh, eight shots, double-digit rebounds. He was a key factor here. Uh, I think this is going to be a really tough-nosed game. I, I don't see this one being a high-scoring one, but I think it's going to be a, a smoother game than their first meeting at that North Georgia uh, showcase event. Uh, St. Pius is a team that I picked to win, uh, especially with the home court advantage. That is going to be a very rowdy crowd. That is a very tough place to play at. But Coach Mailman always does a, a terrific job of coaching his kids up and making sure they're ready for the moment uh, with Jonesboro. So we really do see two of the best coaches in the state between Coach Mailman and uh, Coach Aaron Parr over at St. Pius, but I'm going to stick with St. Pius here. Home court advantage looms large, and again, if Spencer Elliott can affect the game like he did in their first matchup, I think that will go a long ways in deciding this one. I'm going with the Golden Lions in a very tough, tight game. Next, we see Loganville, who beat Maynard Jackson, 72-59. to Chris Dorber, another big game. Going up against that 4-1 versus one 
that upset that we'd, uh, we, uh, we, we, we locked down in the podcast preview. 57-56 Dutchtown over Northside Columbus. Uh, I will say Loganville is the favorite in this game, but I'm going to continue to ride with my underdogs of Dutchtown. Um, again, playing with house money. The Inferno is going to be a tough place to win at, um, but they have a couple guards that can shoot the ball. Uh, and they're going to try and take away Chris Dorber. Easier said than done. I'm going with Dutchtown. Loganville, I would say, is a favorite. But I'm going to stick with my original sleeper pick to make it to the Elite Eight in Dutchtown. Bottom left-hand side, we saw Warner Robins win 47-34 over Woodward Academy. And they play Hiram, who took down Southwest Cab 57-39. I should have known better. Southwest Cab, I picked them going to the Elite Eight. This team struggles to score, and once again, they fail to score with just 39 points. So now we have Hiram versus Warner Robins. Um, I haven't been a, a huge believer in Hiram this season until late of when they beat Calhoun to win that region championship and even disrespected them by picking them to lose to Southwest Cab in the first round. And again, I said this in the last episode, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, something like that. But um, I guess I need to learn from my mistakes. I know Coach Garman is going to have Warner Robbins prepped and ready, and if they're getting those three-point looks and Cameron Perkins distributing, they're going to be tough. But Hiram at home with the big boy inside, Walter Matthew, uh, I'm going to pick Hiram uh, to get to the Elite Eight because I haven't really picked them all season long, and I guess it's time for me to switch it up and go with the Hornets at home. Bottom left-hand side, Walnut Grove, ugh, 50 to 47. Not convincing at all to beat Midtown. But they get the job done. And now they see Eagles landing. You could say the same with McIntosh holding the ball, doing the right thing. You have to do that. There's no shot clock. This is the last year you'll have to suffer through this. But McIntosh holding the ball uh, as long as possible before trying to score on offense. A 37-25 loser to Eagles landing. 37 points scored by Eagles landing. Um, just That does not even compute with that high-octane fast break. Uh, offense, but credit to Coach, Coach Isley for implementing uh, what he thought was his best chance to win that game because if he played Eagles Landing straight up and just tried to play him like a normal game, they're not losing my only 12 points, I'll tell you that much. So coaching still does matter this time of year. Uh, didn't get McIntosh to win, but it was a very uh, valiant effort. Walnut Grove is going to have to play tenfold better than what they did against Midtown if they want to compete with Eagles Landing. I don't know if they're able to. I know they have some pieces to Myron Williams. I think Tyler Jewell can get hot. Uh, I think they have some guys. I mean, Valdi Zephyr inside, but if this does go into an up-and-down fast-break game, um, that's going to be tough to see Zephyr moving his feet up and down like that. If they get him running, uh, that could be tough. If they play it in a half court, I think he can be effective scoring inside and stretching the floor some. And I think Sean Walker, he's a player that can play in the up-and-down tempo, but Eagles landing with David Thomas and A.J. Barnes and Jordan Fordyce, that's just a really tough nucleus to pick against. I think Walnut Grove, it's 
really going to come down to how's it look after the first quarter. Is, is it still close, or are they kind of shell-shocked with the speed and the agility that Eagles Landing plays with? Um, I like Eagles Landing in this one, uh, but if Walnut Grove can somehow hang around and give themselves a chance, they do have talent on that roster, but I'm going to go with Eagles Landing. Top right-hand side, Griffin beat Union Grove 64-54, and Chapel Hill beat Greenbrier 67-44. I think Chapel Hill is better than Griffin. I think they will be able to win this one. They have the size inside with Kelvin Hunter that can protect the rim. I think that is going to make life difficult for Trey Weems and company over there at Griffin, and I think Kyrus Doucette and Shai Shannon are going to really flourish when they get up and down in this one. And I think Chapel Hill should be able to handle their business and defeat a Griffin team um, that's just 13 and 12 overall. I think Chapel Hill is a stronger program. Next up, Lithonia, 67-61 over Cartersville. They're going to have to play a little bit better in round two. They played Tri-Cities, a 78-56 winner over Coffee. I'm going with Tri-Cities here. Uh, I just think, you know, Lithonia's done a really nice job. Coach Marion has done a really good job since he's taken over the head coaching job at Lithonia. But Simeon Cottle, Noriko Danner, Corey Mincy, that three-headed monster in the backcourt, I just think that's too explosive and just too steady, um, not only offensively but defensively. I like Tri-Cities to win this game. Bottom right hand, Quadrant. Woodland Stockbridge, a big game from Mason Lewis, 58-42, got the job done over Harris County, and now they see New Manchester, a 52-47 winner over Clark Central. I picked Clark Central to win that game. It did not go my way, Uh, so a big, big game there. Um, We're going to see Woodland Stockbridge. Uh, I think I'm going to ride with them. I picked them to make it to the Elite Eight. Uh, early on when we started this uh, process in the first uh, podcast. So I think there's um, no reason for me to switch that now. But New Manchester, Chase James Robinson can really shoot the ball well. Uh, he is going to present some issues. And Jordan Edmond at six foot six, a versatile wing forward. And they do have some tough-nosed guys inside at about 6'3", 6'4". Um, but I'm going to go with Woodland here. But New Manchester has played well in the state playoffs um, you know, even dating back to last year, but I'm gonna go with the three seed Woodland to beat the four seed New Manchester. And lastly, Calhoun, a 62-44 winner over Decatur. A big game from Mr. Dylan Faulkner inside. I think he had about 28 points or so. They play veterans, a 57-51 winner over Mundy's Mill. Veterans again, Coach Hardy, a very good defensive-minded coach. And Taj Williams is a good score for that group. But again, Calhoun with that size. They're going to be running into Aaron Jones, who's about 6'10", 6'11". So that'll be a, a clash of the titans between him and Faulkner. I'm going to go with Calhoun. I don't think I'd be overly surprised if veterans wins because they are just so good on defense. But I'm going to stick with Calhoun. I think Peyton Law, who had about 10 points in the round one, uh, didn't need to score that much. I think he has a big game in round two. And I like the Yellow Jackets to make it to the Elite Eight. In Class 4A, 14 out of 16 games correctly predicted and picked in the first round. 
Doherty, a 68-62 winner over New Hampstead. Now they see Fayette County, 77-62. Kudos to Southeast Whitfield for keeping that score respectable. I know Caleb Banks got his 30 points, but um, that's an interesting result. I think Southeast Whitfield did uh, did uh, did no uh, harm in playing very hard. I think they did well, and uh, they had a good showing, all things considered, to not get blown out of the water. Very good job being competitive there. Um, I have Fayette County winning this game. Bakari Bryant and uh, Andre Flynn, two of the better, best legendary coaches in the game, I guess you could say. Two very good coaches. Um, Doherty's going to throw the kitchen sink at him. I don't think if Doherty won this game, I don't think that would be like a, a, a major huge upset. I'm picking Fayette County because they have the best player on the floor in the Indiana signing Caleb Banks. But Doherty is going to come with some defensive schematics that could make things difficult. And Doherty has a couple athletic guards. Um, but I'm going to go with Fayette County. But uh, keep an eye on this game. It could be pretty close. Next up, North Oconee, 49-44 winner over Mays. Now they see... Spencer, a 81-42 winner against Spalding. Again, you never want to pick against Rick Rasmussen. Red hot at the right time. This game is going to be very interesting. X and O's wise, Rick uh, definitely uh, is one of the, um, the top ones left in this quadrant. He really uh, puts his team in a good position. So you're talking about three really good coaches in this quadrant that I've already named. Uh, I just don't know if they're going to have the the raw athleticism and talent that Spencer does when they can throw so many guys at you and they have all those transfers that have moved in and all that size. It's going to be tough. Can Brody Scott be effective in this game as that, that great slasher and rebounder that likes to play above the rim? Can Wilson Sibley get out there and, and control the glass and get some second chances and eliminate Jalen Drake and Tyson McDaniels from getting on the boards themselves for Spencer? Can Jake Chandler get loose and get free and knock down threes? I have a feeling that he will be able to and that he will knock down a handful of three-point shots and I know North Oconee is going to need every single one of them. Uh, North Oconee has to keep this game in the half court. Make Spencer prove that they can execute in the half court. They cannot turn this into a track meet because that is going to be full-on advantage Spencer. I want to see if this game is close in the fourth quarter. I'm not really sure if it will be or not. Um, but it could get interesting if that is the case. Uh, again, Rick Rasmussen always has his team prepared. I want to see what Spencer does if it's a close game, but I I just don't know if it if it's going to be within distance for um, you know the X's and O's to really play a factor down the stretch here. I think Spencer wins this game. I think they ride. Um, they're just their raw talent and their 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 size, and they really make it tough. For North Oconee, but again, this is a game I'm going to have one eyeball on to see is it competitive in the fourth quarter? Is there a potential upset brewing? But I think Spencer is too good and that they get the job done and move on to the Elite Eight. Bottom left hand side, Monroe 57 51 over a 7 and 12 Jenkins team. Uh, not a great start to the postseason, struggling to put away a not great Jenkins team. 
Now they see Central Carrollton, who did handle their business and beat Hampton 54-28. I like Monroe in this one. I love the matchup of Dominic Henderson versus JoJo Bell, two kids that I believe are still unsigned. If you're a Division II school or junior college or anybody of any level, even maybe if you want to get in there at the low Division I uh, side of things, that's a game you should check out. I want to see how those two guys play against each other because they are both stat sheet stuffers. Henderson, quick hands, a great defender. Then JoJo Bell, just a be-all, end-all for this Central Carrollton team. Uh, I'm picking Monroe. Monroe's been the better team all year, and they've seen better competition for the most part. Um, But I'm very curious to see the end stat lines for both of those players. JoJo Bell, can he put on a heroic performance? And can Max Young and Brian uh, Bain and company, can those guys hit shots and help out against Monroe? I don't know. I, I, I would feel like Central feels a little bit better seeing Monroe only won by six points in this game. Uh, Coach Edwards will have their team prepared. I don't know if they have um, the firepower to do so, but I'm going with Monroe. Uh, JoJo Bell, again, I think has to have a big game for Central Carrollton to have a shot at this one, but I think Monroe should be able to pull it out on the road. Next up, Mayor 63-58 over Cedar Shoals. Baldwin 69-54 over Shaw. Going with Baldwin in this one, Maris has been a good plucky team, good defensive team. They do a lot of good things out there. Um, but I think Baldwin is just a, a, a tad bit above what they have saw in Region 6, uh, just with that really good guard play that they all play for one another. Um, Coach Webb does a tremendous job of teaching defense and teaching toughness, and I think they're just going to have enough, and they're at home. I think Maris... We'll be able to play with Baldwin, but I do think Baldwin, uh, the defending state champs, get the job done at home in Milledgeville. Top right-hand side, a game I got wrong. Perry beats Hardaway 74-61. Now Perry sees Druid Hills, a 60-43 winner over Chesity. Um, Druid Hills pulled away late from Chesity. Chesity uh, kept it fairly competitive in the first half, and then... Uh, it got dragged out there in the second half. Um, but Keyshawn Evans did a uh, good job uh, controlling the glass, as he always does for Druid Hills. And I think he's going to have to do so again in this second-round matchup against a Perry team that is is loaded with football players um, that can really get after you. Daquan Wright, I mentioned in our last podcast, is a guy that's you know, close to a double-double every single game. is a, a physical 6-4 guard wing type player. Uh, he's a good one. Um, but I think Evans is going to have to play really well, which he's done all season long. And I think uh, Harry Gerwitz, who scored 20 points in that first-round game, uh, he was not only impressive offensively, but his leadership on defense directing his team around. I think Druid Hills wins this one, moves on to the Elite Eight, um, but I do think Perry uh, will pose uh, a couple issues here and there, but I do think Druid Hills is the better overall team, and I think they win this one. Next up, McDonough, who handled their business against Pickens County. They won that one 79-40. Now they see Benedictine, a 69-52 winner over Cairo. I think Benedictine uh, sees the best team they see all year in McDonough. McDonough takes care of business. I know they go down to Savannah, where I just was, 
just yesterday and the day before that as well as I made my trip to Tattnall County and Savannah. Um, I think McDonough wins this one. Um, they're just uh, the better overall team. Benedictine hasn't seen that that type of talent consistently throughout the season. I think McDonough puts an end to a really nice Benedictine season, a program that is really going in the right direction, but the cadets, they will fall to McDonough with the Avion Thomas and the that fun cast of characters that really play good basketball on both ends of the floor. Bottom right-hand side, West side, Macon beat LaGrange 69-61, and now they see Jefferson, a 72-48 winner over Hateville Charter. Jefferson without Caden Bailey, the big fella inside, heard he had a boot on his foot. That is a bit of a blow as far as physicality and rebounding inside when they need him against big fellas. They're playing a West Side team. Um, Davion Henderson and Shannon Fountain really make that team go. But I think Jefferson is more balanced. Dalen Gale is a very good player. And then JT Falkrod, just with his outside shooting. And even Riley Holloman, he does a good job setting the team up and getting them organized. I think Jefferson at home, Westside making again, with those two quick guards, um, if they get the playing super fast, they could be good. But Jefferson's really good at playing in transition as well, and they're efficient when doing so. I think Jefferson's just going to have too much, and they are going to beat Westside Macon. Bottom right-hand side now, Luella 64-61 beat Northwest Whitfield, who could not get the job done, squandered a, I want to say they had a double-digit lead against Luella, but could not close out the Lions. And now the Lions see Westover, who had a 90-40 win over Islands. Westover should win this game, I would say. Um, They've been the better team all season long. And they just have that very good guard play in Efren Smith and characters here and there. Um, they are a good team. And I think having that home court advantage too uh, in the Boston guard. And they are going to win this one and move on to the Elite Eight. Upsets, upsets, upsets. That is what we had in Class 3A. 12 of 16 games picked correctly. couple Couple games shaking the state to their core. Top left-hand side, though. Windsor 4, 69-39 over Pierce. Sandy Creek, 75-35 over Gilmer. No surprises there. Setting up a potential state championship caliber matchup. Pick Sandy Creek to win this one. Heading into the state tournament. I have to stick with them. Um, I think Aiden Bevrot plays a big role in this game, just with his versatility at about six foot seven. Obviously, um, Micah Smith as well, um, sophomore. I know he's been in and out of the lineup a little bit here and there this season, but he is a very key piece and a high, high, uh, high level, high profile player for Sandy Creek. Uh, he had 15 points in that first-round matchup. I think Amari Brown, I think Vic Newsom. I think they're better overall scorers than Windsor Forest. I think Javante Landy is going to have to have a really strong game, and people are going to have to help out Deontay Bass uh, as far as offensively goes because he's a great player, but he's not necessarily a player that's going to take the load on and score 30 points. He can definitely get you, you know, he'll get you 20 points and 10 rebounds, but he not hasn't, you know, throughout the course of his career, been one of those like crazy binge scores where he is going to put up 30 or 40 points. And there's nothing wrong with that because a lot of players don't do that. Um, but if he gets his 
15 to 20 points, there's going to have to be some scoring elsewhere, whether it's from Dante Dorman or Quan Anderson. Someone's going to have to step up alongside him. The game is at Sandy Creek, which is a big factor because that would be a tough environment to play at in Chatham County. But Chatham County, I know they don't fully let everybody in the stands uh, this season. So maybe it could be a beneficial factor. Maybe Windsor Forest possibly can get a couple more fans in there if they're willing to take that long trip. But it's going to be a good game, I would assume. Uh, Sandy Creek, I'm going with them. Um, But really, uh, no surprise if Windsor Forest wins this game. The only surprise would be if this game is decided by more than 10 points. Bottom left-hand side of that top left-hand bracket. Uh, We saw LFO take care of business, 69-57 over Franklin County. They play Sumter County, 76-54 over Hepsiva. I'm going with Sumter County, my original pick. LFO, Jermichael Davis had a great first-round matchup against Franklin County, and then Brent Bowman obviously is a great shooter, but I think Sumter County is deeper. I think Kyrick Davis is going to cause some issues with his athleticism, his length, and his versatility scoring the ball. Sumter County... Uh, has seen better competition throughout the year. I think Sumter County, especially at home, um, I think they win this game. But you never know when you have Brent Bowman, who can kit hot, and Davis as well. Uh, two guys with just so much of a scoring burden on just two guys, whereas Sumter County can really spread the wealth and put four or five guys in double figures. That is just something LFO cannot do, and I am going for Sumter County for that reason. Bottom left-hand side, we see Johnson, a 57-34 winner over Tattnall County, a game that I indeed was at. Now they play Redan, 72-69, rallied from down 11 points in the fourth quarter to beat North Hall. North Hall, a team that I said I believe in. People around me said, I'm not sure about that, but I said, no, no, they are good enough to win one game, and I was wrong. They did not get the job done. Um, but let's talk about this John Savannah game against a Tattnall County uh, team with Doug Hassel's final game as a head coach after being there um, since, you know, even before the school was consolidated. He was coaching in, back in 1988 or so. But uh, Tattnall County was never really in this game. They just could not keep pace and score with Johnson. Johnson got out to an early lead behind Antonio Baker who had 13 first-quarter points. They led 28-20 at the half. And then Ted Hurst happened in the third quarter. Two huge dunks, one a lob in transition over the defender. He broke out with 5, 7, 9, 11 points in that third quarter. Finished with 23 points, a game-high 23 points and 10 rebounds. Antonio Baker, 22.7 rebounds. Boris has two steals and one block. Um, Hurst going to Valdosta State for football. But Antonio Baker, only a junior. Um, I don't know if... You know, the Division Ones will ever materialize for him, uh, but he is a really good player. He's a no-brainer at the Division Two level. A lot of schools should be after Antonio Baker. He's got great size at 6'3". He's very smooth. He's a three-level scorer. He makes plays on defense. He sees the floor very well. He is just a very good player, and they were really able to take it to Tattnall County. The two co-region players of the year for Tattnall County were combined held to... 
five points. So five total points from their combined uh, two co-region players of the year. They just could never get going. Shabar Carter uh, had eight points in the first quarter uh, with little short-range floaters. Uh, but after that was shut off, it was just too difficult for Tattnall County to score. And Johnson was able to get out and run. And then in the fourth quarter, they just held the ball and dribbled out the clock. Um, with all that being said, I like Johnson to beat Redan. Christian Kennerly is going to have to have a really good game for Redan, a, a little bit of a jack-of-all-trades type player for Coach Craig Wood. But Johnson, they're a good team. That Savannah region is very, very tough, a Savannah region that, uh, if I am not mistaken, successfully swept Region 1, which they did. Um, so it, it's it's a different breed of basketball down there. They can play fast, and Chuck Campbell does a really good job coaching, switches up defenses when he needs to, and uh, the kids run through a brick wall for them. So John Savannah, um, I, I had them making it to the Elite Eight over North Hall, and I'll have them making it to the Elite Eight over Redan. I just think that dynamic duo of Ted Hurst and Antonio Baker, one of the best in the state that does not get enough credit. Now, the final game in that bottom left-hand side of the bracket, Hart County won 59-49 over Dayersville, the only team from Region 8 to make it to the Sweet 16. Shocking, shocking stuff. They play Thompson, a 75-51 winner over Crisp County. I picked Thompson to win this game. I guess I'll stick with them, but I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with Taj Johnson and J.C. Curry because Johnson at 6'7", a very quality athlete, has really sort of come on strong as a scorer. And then J.C. Curry has just been a binge scorer all season long and jumps out of the gym. They have two guys that can match anything that Thompson brings to the table. So I'm very interested to see how Thompson tries to defend those two. But if you do take one or two of those guys out, at least one, if you can take one of those guys out, Hart County is going to really struggle to score. Sean Teasley is your third option, and other than that, not a lot of scoring threats out there for Coach Marsh. It's going to be difficult. So if Thompson can successfully take one of those two away or just hold them both to under 20 points, um, you even if they get 40 points, you know it's going to be hard for them to find 15, 20 other points to go along with that. I'm um, going with Thompson in this one, but Hart County, they do have those grown men and those two uh, players I mentioned in Curry and also, Todd Johnson wouldn't be surprised if they pulled it out, but I think Levante Ivory and company, um, they are a good, solid, strong team that has seen some pretty good competition throughout. I do think Thompson, especially at home, I do think they eke it out and get the job done over Hart County. Top right-hand side, Upson Lee lost by 30 points across Creek, 75-45, and now Lafayette, who barely pulled it out against Oconee County, 65-59, a game that I said it is going to potentially be a very close one. Everything pretty much came to fruition. Oconee led for a pretty solid majority of this game before Lafayette made the plays late. Junior Barber with a big second half. I think he scored all 17 points um, in the second half or close to it. He uh, really came on strong. That's the same thing I saw him do against LFO. Um, in the regular season where he just turned it on, especially in the, in the fourth quarter to get the job done. He is really the, the X factor, I guess you could say, for this Lafayette team. But Aiden Hadaway had his 28 points and Barber with the 17 in the second half. Um, so here we are again. Here we are again, Cross Creek versus Lafayette. Um, we've seen this two years in a row, and again, Lafayette hasn't really done much as far as preparing for Cross Creek or preparing for 
uh, good teams in the postseason with their weak scheduling. So I don't really see a reason why to pick Lafayette in this one, which I, I think they can win. I don't think Cross Creek is as good as last year's team, um, but we've seen it too much. I don't think Lafayette is as good as last year's team. I think it's going to be a competitive game. And I think Aiden Hadaway is going to have to go crazy. But if Antoine Lord can do what he did against Jabari Smith in the state championship game, if he can kind of replicate that and push Aiden Hadaway out and make him become more of a jump shooter and three-point shooter, um, Cross Creek should win this game. And again, they've won twice in a row against them at Lafayette. They know what to expect when they go in there. I'm picking Cross Creek. They've seen good teams this year. Lafayette, probably the best team they've seen all year, was in the first round against Oconee County. Um, and it only gets tougher from that point on, so I'm going with Cross Creek. Next up, we have GAC, who took down Eaths for Scythe, 88-42. to um, You know, that Region 7, just not as good as some of the bigger classification regions. It's just not very comparable. And that was showcased in the first round of the state playoffs. Uh, but GAC with the big win there. And then Groves, they handled their business 70-33 to against Brantley County. This is going to be a very good game. Gerald Colonel, I want to see what he does. Or Gerald Colonel, I apologize. We don't know the pronunciation. But him blocking shots and Tremaine Nike Johnson scoring the ball. This is a, a coin flip game to me. I could see this going either way. Groves with home court advantage could play a big part here. Um, I'm interested to see who defends Josh Fulton and if Josh Fulton can get his head of steam downhill, if he's going to be able to finish through contact and finish um, when uh, Colonel is there trying to block shots. who's averaging probably about seven blocks a game this year. He is going to cause some major issues, but I do think GAC is pretty balanced. I think Eddie Page can protect the rim in his own right. Uh, Ethan Pullman, who transferred in as a good guard that can score the ball. I'm going with GAC, but Groves, I mean, again, there's coin flip games here and there. I feel like this could be one of them. I think Groves is going to give them problems, but I do think GAC might be able to squeeze it out and advance to the Elite Eight. Bottom right-hand side of the bracket, that is where all hell broke loose. First game, Burke County, 67-66, beat Peach County. Um, Tamarius Mathis, the almost 30-point-per-game scorer, bounced in the first round. And then the biggest upset, Ringgold, the nine seed, the number nine ranked team out of Region 6, Lafayette's region. Um, the four seed coming out of their 10-20 overall. Uh, they play the game of their life and get the job done and don't back down from Monroe area team. As we mentioned in the previous podcast, it's going good right now, but you never know when it's going to blow up. And unfortunately for Monroe area, it blew up in their faces against Ringgold, 62-59. An enormous win for Ringgold, uh, and they can hang their hat on that one. Now playing against Burke County, um, again, they're... On paper, should be in trouble, but who knows what happens. Uh, Burke County was a little bit better of a team than Monroe area. Monroe, of course, they won that region, but they were inconsistent throughout. So Burke, very athletic team, very springy. Um, It's going to be tough for Ringgold for Lightning to strike twice. For that reason, I'm going with Burke in what looks like a wide open bottom right-hand side of the bracket when you see a three-seed a four seed, a two seed, and a four seed as White County rallied from, I think, down 20 points to stun Salem, 62-58. White County, who I 
you know, I thought they were the best team in that Region 7 the entire year until they lost in overtime to North Hall, and it kind of screwed things up for them. But maybe, uh, again, sometimes you have to lose to win, and maybe it worked out for them because now they play Beach, the four seed out of Region 3, who won 64-58 against Long County. But I don't think it gets much easier for White County. Um, they're going to have this game at home that's going to be very big, another home game, and Jaden Ye is a tremendous player. And all those other guys, Silas Mulligan and Kenny Simpson, very good. But I just worry about Shamari Huey, who is going to guard him on the wing. A six foot five dynamic presence that stuffs the stat sheet. A very good player, a Division I caliber player in my mind, or at least very close to it. He's very good. And then Larry Johnson, their leading scorer, a 6'3 guard, averaging 16 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals. It is going to be tough. And mind you, yes, White County won that game, but they were down 20 points. You have to give them a ton of credit. But still, Salem not closing that one out is pretty pretty rough, um, if that is correct, if I am understanding what I've read on Twitter that they – trailed by close to 20 points um white county's good jed and is very good and i don't think beach is as good a team as salem i'm in a tough spot here as to who to pick i think this savannah region is very good this year and i think white county is very good but i think i'm going to pick beach in this one with the Johnson and Huey connection, I I think they win this game at White County. Not surprised whatsoever if they lose this game, but I think I am going with Beach very unconvincingly, um, but I'm going to go with the Bulldogs to beat White County. 14 out of 16 games were correctly picked in Class 2A. On the top left-hand side, we saw... Northeast Macon beat Berrien 87-62. And we saw Kusa with the win over Callaway 52-48. A game we got wrong. Kusa uh, did have some big wins. I think that was a, a game that Kusa uh, did have a chance in. Uh, and they got the job done, so credit to them. Um, but I think Northeast Macon is certainly the better team. Travion Solomon and company. Uh, a lot of seniors on that roster. Uh, I like Northeast making to win this game. But again, Kusa, they're, they're a solid team for a four seed. I will give them that. But I do think Northeast making wins. Next up, love it. 75-63 over Union County. Vidalia, 85-57 over Glen Hills. Uh, I believe Christian Anderson scored 44 points in this one. Um, did not deny him the ball. Um, just questionable things if that was the case we knew he was going to score a lot but uh, you have to do everything you can to keep the ball out of his hands Uh, but Union County was right there I think Union County might have had a lead in the second half they they were right there the whole time but just not enough in terms of slowing down Anderson and Vidalia uh, I picked Vidalia to win this game Uh, coach Daly is a tremendous coach Uh, his son Ty Daly is going to be able to score the ball uh, very well. He's had a big season, uh, as he did last year. Also, uh, I I think they win this game, and I j- I know you know Vidalia when Vidalia has been good, and they are twenty six and one currently. It's always been great defense, and I think they are going to be able to not say uh, stop 
Christian Anderson, but uh, he might get his points. But I just don't foresee uh, Vidalia losing this one to Lovett. I just think they're going to have enough to make it difficult and they find a way to win. But Lovett definitely has a chance in this one uh, with the firepower. But I'm going with Vidalia to win and move on to the Elite Eight. Bottom left-hand side of the bracket, we saw Early County knock off Dodge County 72-63 and Chattooga survive a scare from Bremen 74-72. They are going to have to play much, much, much better against Early County. I'm picking Chattooga. They've been the better team this season, but um, they have to come in focused and not lit teams that um, no, on paper should not be as good as them. Uh, you know, compete and take it down to the wire. But I'm going with Chattooga to win this one. Um, but Early County, uh, playing with house money, going on the road, going to be a hellaciously long drive from south all the way to north Georgia. Um, I think Chattooga wins this one. Next up, we see Columbia take care of business against Banks County, 71-40, to and they play Westside Augusta, 71-39. Uh, this is a great matchup. I am not surprised if Westside wins this one. Um, Westside is at home. Columbia is going to have to play very, very well to win this game. Westside has a ton of top 10 wins, 23-3. and three. It just stinks that um, Region 4 is meeting Region 6 in the Sweet 16 because, I mean, this is, you know, these should be Final Four matchups, Columbia versus Westside Augusta, Butler versus Pace. Those are... If I'm not mistaken, I think those are my top four teams in the state rankings right now. Like those top four teams are all playing each other. Uh, you have who is that? Butler number three versus number one Pace, and then I guess it's number two Columbia versus number four Westside. Off the top of my head, if that is correct, um, this is going to be a very good game. Uh, Jalexis Ewing, if he's going to be able to score at a high rate in Kalon Hudson, how effective will he be against the size of Columbia? Uh, I'm going with Columbia in this one, but again, um, I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised whatsoever if Westside wins this one at home, but I am going to go with Columbia. And top right-hand side, as we just previewed or mentioned a second ago, Butler 57-42 over Toombs, Pace 88-37 over Elbert, uh, Butler played pace pretty well in the postseason last year, as well as pretty much anybody did in the state tournament. Uh, lost by only maybe 12 or 14 points. But I do think pace is going to be able to win this game. They have it at home. Josh Reed, Bryson Tiller. Uh, I think Chance Finkland's going to have to play really well inside defensively for Butler to have a chance in this one. And Kadar Bodie is going to really um, have to make things happen on both ends of the floor. But... Uh, I, I am going with pace. You just don't pick against Sherman White this time of year. And I'm going with the Knights to advance past Butler. Next up, we saw Heard County, 64-60 winner over Dade County. Then Waco, Washington County, doubled up Cook, 50-25. to Going with Washington County in this one. Heard County has not necessarily seen the same level of competition that Waco has. Um, it's at Washington County in Sandersville going to be a tough place to win at and I just like how deep Washington County is very athletic very deep throw a lot of guys at you and I think they're going to be able to overwhelm Heard County bottom right hand side a game I was uh worried about I uh, wasn't sure who to pick but 
we we got it right. Woodville Tompkins, 60 to 57 over Putnam County. Then Raven County, uh, they handled their business against Therrell, 67 55, pulled away in that one. And now I think it's going to be a really tough matchup. Lenny Williams likes to press and likes to get after you. If they can speed up Raven County and keep the ball out of Gus Hood and uh, Connor McKay's hands, if they can do that, if they can coax Raven County into some long, uh, quick three-point shots, uh, that could be beneficial for Woodville. I think Raven County, they, they do have the best player on the court in the Lander signee, Connor McKay. And if it does get into a transition up and down game, Raven County is very good at that, especially when McKay, <clears throat> McKay is rim running. Um, so that's going to be a very, very interesting game. A very, um, I think it's going to be a close game. I picked Woodville to win this one. Um, Woodville's been kind of up and down all year long, but they are a, a good team. They've seen really uh, tough opponents in that Savannah area like Johnson and so on and so forth. Um, I'm going with Woodville. It's going to be tough. Uh, I, I, I'm just interested to see how Raven County handles that press and what Woodville is able to do with Alfonso Ross, Lucas Platuna if he gets hot from the three-point line. Uh, Zion Powers is a really tough-nosed kid. I'm going Woodville. But I really could see this game going either way. And bottom right-hand side, the final game here. Model scored a 68-44 win over Temple. And now they travel to Thomasville. 66-44 win over Jasper County. Going Thomasville here. Now, Jermias Hurd could cause some issues with his bulk and size inside at 6-8 for Model. Um, But I do think Thomasville is a uh, complete team this year. They have seen some tough nose. Uh, South Georgia squads with some size. Um, I'm going to rely on A.J. Dent to uh, provide some scoring and some defense. I think he's going to play a big role, especially on the defensive side of things. And I'm going to roll with Thomasville, a team that I've had in the top 10 for pretty much the entire year. Down in Class 1A Private, 13 out of 16 correctly picked, but it was an interesting route in getting to that 13 out of 16 correct uh, top left hand side Deerfield Windsor a 71-54 winner over Aquinas Galloway 59-57 over Walker and you see that out of the region 7-4 seed pushing Galloway to the brink um, you think wow that's a strong four seed but only one region 7 team makes it to the sweet 16 interesting stuff we'll get to that in just a moment but Galloway versus Deerfield, uh, you would have to expect Galloway wins this one. Deerfield just has not seen um, the level of talent Galloway has seen. Galloway has seen everybody. They schedule so difficult in the regular season, in the non-region schedule. Um, the best comparable player, I guess you could say, Deerfield has seen to Anthony Arrington uh, would be Jay King of FPD, a great isolation score. But uh, they haven't seen a team execute an offense uh, like Galloway does and defend like they do. Uh, Galloway should win this game, and Galloway has Deerfield at home, so I do think that is quite beneficial. The Scots should roll on into the Elite Eight. Next up, Tallulah Falls, a 20-point win over Mount Bethel, 59-39, a pretty good showing there. Now they play Green Force, 87-34, winners over Brookstone. Green Force, uh, they should win this game I would have to assume Anthony Hanna and company I just don't think they're gonna have 
enough. Obviously, uh, you know, not many teams have or do, but Toledo Falls has never seen anything like Green Force before. Uh, Green Force should be able to dominate this game uh, by protecting the rim and then uh, with Jalen Forrest uh, getting downhill and Florian Tenenbaum and all these big bodies, uh, this could turn into a dunk fest. I think Green Force overpowers Toledo Falls. Bottom left-hand side, we had Stratford Academy pulled out in overtime against Savannah Country Day, 68-63, and now they play North Cobb Christian, 68-58 winners over Hebron Christian. A close game. Brandon Johnson did a great job at Hebron this year. All things considered, did a great job. Now we see North Cobb Christian versus Stratford Academy. Uh, North Cobb Christian probably should win this game. I think Albert Wilson is going to be an enormous issue, the Region 7 Player of the Year. I'm not sure how Stratford Stratford will try to defend him. I know Khalil Green is going to have to score a lot for the Stratford team, but, I mean, you got Khalil Green. I can raise you Josh Dixon, who is, you know, right there, uh, a year younger and a tremendous young guard in his own right. Um, Jack Hewitt, just too many weapons for this North Cobb Christian team. If they just do what they're supposed to do, they should win this game. Um, it's going to be really tough for Stratford to even make that drive from making to Cobb. Um, Coach Sweeney will have them prepared, but I just do not see them having enough bullets in the chamber to compete with a high-octane offense like North Cobb Christian when they're really clicking. Next up, an upset alert. Or so we think. George Walton Academy, 68. Mount Pisgah, 63. Now remember, George Walton Academy did spend a week or two in the top 10. They are a quality team. And Noah Hicks going to Caltech dropped 32 points on Mount Pisgah and stunned the Patriots. Uh, That was an interesting result. I love the word interesting because a lot of things are this time of year. But that was a big gut check nut check win for George Walton Academy and now they play Heritage who won 60 to 46 over Saka Southwest Atlanta Christian Heritage is going to have the size advantage in this one um so if they can throw it inside um you know Max Kidmore's a good shooter but they throw it inside to Townshed or anybody else uh Sean Nichols is a good guard um, this is going to be a, a, a tough game. I mean, Heritage, another team just like George Walton, spent maybe a week or two in the top ten and then quickly dropped out. I am going to go with George Walton Academy in this game. I do think they do have quality guard play. Kenny Johnson's a solid player. Reese Gales Thorpe can shoot the ball extremely well. I'm going with George Walton Academy uh, to clip Heritage, uh, the Heritage School out of Noonan. Type, top right-hand side of the game we got wrong. Elka defeated by St. Ann Pacelli in some late-game heroics, 62-61. And now we see Kings Ridge against Athens Christian, 69-57 winner. I think Kings Ridge should win this game. They're able to space the floor and shoot the three. I think Michael Hoover plays a huge role inside, and I like Kings Ridge, the Tigers, to advance on. Next up, Providence Christian. I picked them to make the state tournament, and they got off with the bang. 72-54 over Darlington. Marion Floyd went down. 
with the early injury, and that was pretty much all she wrote. Tony Carpio too strong inside. Uh, Patrick Shelley ends his career at Darlington with a huge game. I think he had about 29 points. Uh, uh, a legit player that needs to be on Division II Raiders at the very least. Uh, really flying under the radar, but I heard he was unstoppable in spurts against um, Providence Christian. But Providence gets the win. And now they see Calvary Day, a 47-44 winner over Tattnall Square. Um, Calvary is going to have those football players, some quality athletes, but Providence uh, with Chance Thacker uh, being a, a smart, heady guard, maybe not as much as a scorer as he would like to be with his knee injury. Uh, but Tony Carpio, um, he, he should be able to score around the rim. But remember, uh, Calvary Day with those big guys inside, they're going to be able to try and push him out and use their physicality. Uh, but I do think Providence, they've seen better teams all year long. And uh, they should be able to win this one down in Savannah. Bottom right-hand side, Paideia, 47-42 winner over Trinity Christian. And St. Francis, 57-52 over Prince Avenue, one of the Cinderella stories in the state tournament. Um, I'm going with St. Francis here. I don't feel overly confident. Uh, Paideia, is, uh, they're playing pretty good basketball, pretty sneaky Good basketball um, right now. Very well-coached team. Um, you know, multiple state championships. Uh, or Well, I guess one state championship over there at um, Therrell back in the day. Um, so this is a, a, a very good team, 17-12 and 12 overall. Eddie Johnson has really got this program moving in the right direction after a rough COVID year last year. I'm going with St. Francis, but I do not feel confident. I think Jace McCullough has to have a good game here for St. Francis. Would not be surprised if Paideia clinches this one and makes it to the Elite Eight. And now our last matchup was, um, you know, surprising, I suppose. But if you again, we talked about it. If you look on the roster, like Mount Vernon Presbyterian has a lot of, you know, talent. 6'9", six, 6'8". You don't see a ton of that unless you're Green Force in Class A private. And that is why Mount Vernon Presbyterian, a 56-51 winner over Christian Heritage at the Lions Den. Very impressive. And now they see FPD 59-51 in overtime over Savannah Christian. I would tend to think Mount Vernon Presbyterian should win this one because FPD is going to struggle with that size. But also, you know, FPD, they play a style of ball. They roll it out, and they let Jay King get 30 shots, and he's going to score 30 points, and he's going to pour in uh, a lot of offense. Uh, they're going to have to be ready to uh, defend isolation settings because there's a lot of freelance basketball at FPD. Um, so if they're going to have to do a good job with that. They, If they can find a way to slow down Jay King and make him a volume shooter, a volume scorer, um, just make it be a, a 30, you know, 30, 35 shots or something like that and hold them to under 30 points, they'll be in good shape. So I think they'll have the size advantage on offense with Keith Williams and Dennis Scott with their size. You know, Scott stretching the floor and then Williams uh, pounding his way inside. Uh, but again, defensively, um, yeah, you know, Jay King, it's not like he gets to the rack uh, being that being his number one source of offense. He is a very good jump shooter that creates separation, so that could somewhat negate that. So I, I want to see what Coach Maven does as far as who is going to defend a Jay King. Even I would 
you know, boxing was. I don't think that is out of the question at all. Um, I think Mount Vernon Presbyterian, I think they can win this game. I'm going to go with them over FPD, uh, but it is some differing styles of brand of basketball uh, should lead to a very competitive game. We now finish up in Class A public, of course, one of the craziest classifications always. 12 out of 16 games knocked in. Uh, Top left-hand side, Jenkins County, a 66-55 winner over Seminole County. They play Manchester, 68-38 over GMC. I like Manchester in this one. Um, They've been the better team throughout the year. They're physical inside. Um, Trey Jackson is a, a, a solid guard. Uh, that can score it at multiple levels. So I do like Manchester to win this one. Um, next up, we saw Towns County obliterate Bowden, um, 76 to 51. And then Charlton County, 46 34 over Wilcox County. Going with Charlton here. Um, not sure what to really expect with this one. Uh, Towns County, obviously, uh, Colin Crowder. Uh, big-time point producer, but going on the road to a hostile environment where there are going to be football players and athleticism on the court, I think it's doable for Towns County. I'm not really sure exactly yet just how good Charlton is, um, but I am going to lean towards them protecting home court and beating the defending state champs. Bottom left-hand side, Mitchell County gets a 71-46 win over Bryan County. And Warren County takes care of Taylor, 79-52. Sticking with my original pick of Warren County, but uh, Xavier Wilcher, a very dangerous player for Mitchell County, can get up there, bouncy, shoots the ball extremely well. A lot of tools to succeed at the next level. Uh, But Lorenzo Johnson, he's been the anchor for this Warren County team. Explosive guard, about 6'2", 6'3". Really makes everything happen. Uh, for Coach Myrick's team, and I think Warren County, I've had them in the top 10 all season long, 21-3, and 22-3 overall now. I like the Screaming Devils to make it to the next round. Bottom left-hand side finishing up here. We saw Fulton Leadership get beat by Commerce, 68-67. to A little late game magic for Commerce uh, to pull it out. Uh, getting the job done in the final seconds. Uh, Jackson Morris, a buzzer beating three on Tuesday night, gets the job done. Congratulations to the Tigers on that big win. And now they see Dublin 72 53 over Turner County. Now, Turner County was a quality four seed, 20 and four heading into that, uh, that matchup, beaten by 19 points. Now, Commerce, a tiny little team. Uh, play very hard against Dublin. I think Dublin should be able to overpower them. I like Dublin in this one to win and end Commerce's uh, Cinderella story, a team that is now 12-16 and 16 after the win. But I think Dublin, their sights are set on a trip to Macon, and I do not foresee them getting upended by Commerce. Top right-hand side, we see a... Game I got wrong, uh, but I knew it was going to be uh, an interesting matchup. Not overly surprised that it it went uh, against my pick, but Lanier County doesn't get the job done. They lose to Dooley County, 71-62. Dooley County is a tough team. And now they see Drew Charter, 61-43 over Washington Wilkes. 
wasn't quite dominating. Only won by 18 points. Interesting. They do not have Jacquez Thornton, remember, kicked off the team, apparently. Uh, there are kinks in the armor. There are definitely kinks in the armor. I'm going to stick with Drew Charter on this one, but I think Dooley County might harken back to that loss to Dublin. Could give them some bad memories about physical teams coming from these rural areas down south that play extremely hard. Drew, Ch- uh, Drew Charter's going to have to play really well to win this one. I think Jacoby Strozer has to really show up and show out. I'm going with Drew Charter, but they're not invincible. Next, we see Wilco. Wilkinson County upsets Chattahoochee County, a team that had guys in and out of the lineup for a lot of the season. Never could quite click. They are beat by Wilkinson County, and now they see Portal. Same deal that had to deal with those uh, suspensions in the middle of the season. 63-44 winner over Quitman County. So it's Portal versus Wilkinson. Uh, you know, I had Chatco going to the Elite Eight. Now I'm switching over to Portal. Amir Jackson had a huge first-round game. Big physical six foot five forward. Obviously, Elijah Coleman is a terrific guard that really scores the ball uh, and gets to the line exceptionally well at only about five eight five nine. And then Joseph Thomas, if if he's hitting shots, he's the X factor. If he can, uh, you know, consistently supply twelve to fourteen points per game and do so on efficient outside shooting, that is a good scary three headed monster. All sophomores. I'm going with Porter or Portal over Wilkinson County. Bottom right-hand side, we saw Clinch County beat Wheeler County 68-61. And now we saw the no mercy of Social Circle not playing any games this time of year. 114-36 Atlantic Classical gets beat up pretty good. Picking Social Circle here. Clinch County, it'll be interesting. Again, a school that has a ton of football talent over there. A lot of dual sport guys, but Social Circle is a different animal. Um... I want to see how Social Circle does in the next round. I think Social Circle gets there. But uh, that universal coin flip we just heard, I should have mentioned that at the top of the podcast, the bottom of the bracket won. So that means Social Circle, if they handle their business, they will likely see, if they handle their business, Calhoun County. Calhoun County beat Metter 101-58. to They play Macon County 71-58 winner over Hancock. Again, I'm going with Calhoun County. They're undefeated. Wouldn't that be cool to see 26-0 Calhoun County versus 29-0 Social Circle? Might have a, to make a trip down there to Calhoun County. Might have to make a trip down there. I know I just got back from Tattnall County in Savannah, Georgia, and spent the night in Vidalia, but might have to take a trip down for Class A Public Elite 8 action if Social Circle and Calhoun County, if that matchup materializes so there you have it folks that is your sweet 16 preview a couple couple picks here and there uh predictions we'll see how we do hopefully i fare better than the first round what we say i got just a shade under 83 percent right 106 out of 128 but we will be back for the elite eight podcast glad this one did not last multiple hours until then i will see you in the gym see you soon